Hello and welcome to This Week in Goldmaking, presented by Darkshore Capital. My name is Andrew, and today is May the 3rd, 2021. We're going to get started with the weekly stand-up. This is the brief section of time where I go over what I've done in the past week, what I'm planning on doing in the next week, and if there's anything that's kind of getting in my way that I need to address. So over the last week, we continued with the normal BOE flipping operations, looking for cheap raid BOEs to buy at a lower price and to sell at an increased price. I've been doing some leveling uh, in association with my WoW Hedge Fund Gold Cap Let's Play series. That's coming along quite nicely. I've been looking into a little bit of engineering stuff uh, in, effort, in an effort to get ready for that character, as previously mentioned, hitting max level and starting to you know, flesh out different professions and actually start earning some gold from being max level and having access to all the different recipes. I did one Torgas boost over the last week. As I mentioned a few different times in last week's episode, boosting is something that I am taking a keen interest in and trying to get as much information as possible about. Over the last week, I did one. It was a Torgas boost. It went fine. That's all I have to say about it right now. More on that once I have a little bit more uh, experience and more to say. Over the next week, I'm looking to, of course, continue BOE flipping. It's tried and true method. It's not going to stop being good anytime soon, I don't think. Going to keep my research on boosting going. My immediate profession concerns for the character that I'm leveling are going to be Shadowlands Engineering, Mists of Pandaria, and Classic Alchemy. A little bit more on that in a bit. The Mists of Pandaria stuff for Sky Golems, Living Steel, and then Classic Alchemy you need to get access to. Well, I don't want to spoil it, so... Stay tuned, and you'll hear why in just a few slides. And lastly, as of course, as always, time. Time is money. And uh, profession knowledge, I, I seem to find my uh, knowledge of what's what's really good for engineering and alchemy to be a little lacking, which is part of the reason why I was motivated to try those two professions for this new character in the first place. All right. The, uh, the promised big fancy market update is still under development, but I do want to take some time here today to go over a few things uh, so as you can see on the slide there are the token prices us hovering just over 150,000 gold for a token eu at 230 not a huge change since last week these prices as i mentioned last week have gone up since the start of the expansion um, i'm not going to try to speculate on where i think they're going to go if you need a token you're going to buy a token but i do want to hop on over to the Undermine Journal and take just we're just going to kind of take a peruse through materials, see what's what. Um, I don't really have much of a reference point, and this is going to be just um, a full pop US server that we're going to be looking at. Um, and this is mostly just an idea or just a place for me to start getting an idea. Again, once we get the, uh, the proper indexing functionality that I want to have going, we'll have a little bit more interesting stuff to look at. But uh, in particular, I did want to look at the alchemy stuff because that's something that I'm going to be exploring in the near future. Uh, as you can see, some of these potions are selling pretty well in the triple digits. Uh, the phantom fire, I know for sure, as long as well as the spectral agility, intellect, and I assume strength are pretty good sellers. You can tell by the available quantity usually because those are the ones that people are going to want um, for Mythic Plus. Interestingly enough, spiritual healing and spiritual mana have the most available quantity. I'm guessing that's because you need to you make these to begin with uh, to start leveling up your alchemy. But yeah, as you can see, spectral strength, phantom fire, spectral agility, spectral intellect are the next four most uh, available potions 
which definitely makes sense since they're the ones that uh, are needed for running Mythic Plus and doing raids. And then down here with flasks, that's also another important one. Wow, it's almost 10k flasks available on the server, 376 max. They were going for four digits at the beginning of the expansion, so it's definitely fallen off. This is just uh, you know confirmation of the general trend that things tend to decrease in price over time in World of Warcraft when it comes to current expansion stuff because it's really just simple supply and demand. There's not a whole lot of supply at the beginning of an expansion. Not enough people are around, going around farming things. As time goes on, more and more stuff becomes available. Prices go down. Shadow Core Oil, of course, is another uh, raid and dungeon consumable. Plenty of those available. 18 gold. Uh, cooking, we'll just... I'll put the slide up here um, in case that is of interest to anyone. Um, I don't really have much insight on cooking other than these feasts, which are still quite expensive at uh, 1.2k. Engineering, the, the things that I'm most interested about engineering aren't going to be these consumables, really. I mean, I'm sure there's some min-maxing places out there that where these are useful, but ultimately it's these battle res items. If you don't know, engineers do get access to a battle res, this expansion. Uh, they are consumable, so you need one, uh, you need a stack of them if you want to be able to keep doing it. Uh, these things are actually pretty annoying to use. You have to be right on top of the person to use them. So it wouldn't surprise me if that turns some people off from using them since they're just too much of a pain. And, you know, you tend to have battle reses in your group if you're raiding, of course, and then Mythic Plus as well. Well, depending on your comp. Uh, and then this wormhole generator Shadowlands, you will notice there's a huge discrepancy in the available number of the reanimators, 330 versus the wormhole generator. This is just a toy, right? So it's a one-time use, then you're good to go. Uh, but interestingly enough, still, well, okay, the current price is 2k on the, looks like someone's trying to reset this market. The mean price, that's probably more uh, indicative of what's actually going on. I don't know. This is something that I'm, I'm going to be interested to see if it actually turns out to be profitable as a thing to be crafting on the regular basis. More on that. We'll keep an eye on that one, of course, going forward. Enchanting, enchanting materials, uh, crystals around 200. That's the purple one. 35 35 for the blue one 12 for the for the dust um i haven't looked into it too in depth at the moment oh it's interestingly enough i didn't realize this undermine journal actually has a profit thing here that's kind of cool that you can see um but yeah that kind of confirms what i've sort of suspected about enchanting and some other stuff in shadowlands for the past month or two we'll get into a little bit more later on but pretty much when there's no barrier to entry to a profession there's really not a whole lot of profit to be had. Uh, the only way you're really going to be making, really going to be making money with enchanting is if you're disenchanting stuff from dungeon runs and raids that you're doing already uh, and getting the materials for basically for free. Obviously, they're not they're not free, but it's a byproduct of something you would have been doing otherwise. Um, inscription. Uh, I'm not too familiar with what Inscription's doing this expansion. Obviously, you've got the missives, which you need for legendary crafting. I'm sure those are probably still selling quite well. I'm not sure what the materials costs look like on those. And then contracts, these seem to have really kind of fallen under the radar. Reputation doesn't really matter too much, this expansion, uh, for really anything besides cosmetic stuff. Um, and if you don't know, yeah, these contracts allow you, they give you, I believe it's a week-long buff that just gives you a little bit of extra reputation with the chosen uh, faction for every world quest you complete. It's not only, and the, the reputation gain extra, it's like 10 extra, so it's really not that big of a deal. And you got to do world quests to do it? I don't know. I haven't done a world quest in a few weeks. That's probably going to change shortly because uh, the kind of gold that callings can make. But I digress. More on that later. Uh, and then Vantus runes. Uh, 
650k sorry 650 gold not 650k uh those i'm sure are still uh making quite a decent profit again not too familiar with inscription but but there you have it and then jewel crafting again this is another one where there's pretty much no barrier to entry these jewel these these gems sell for pretty much nothing and yeah it's a shadow of its former self for sure all right so that's the market update I'm going to move on to a few pieces of news. <clears throat> uh, so obviously with 9.1 being on the PTR, we're getting new stuff weekly and daily even. Uh, just a couple things I wanted to highlight that I noticed, maybe of interest. Obviously the Soul Cinders, uh, previously called Mega Soul Ash, is going to be the new currency used to upgrade your legendary items. These are going to come from Torghast and I didn't realize also from just Maw activities. Sounds like there's going to be some assaults in the Maw, Maw, <laughs> the Maw, the Maw that are going to potentially reward these upgrade items as well. So, you know, a little bit more ways to get them. So how that actually affects the prices of legendary gear, I'll let you be the decide on that. But the more you know, the better equipped you are to handle it. And the only other thing really interesting from a gold making perspective is the new alchemy transmute. I believe it's stone to ores. And that's if that doesn't sound very exciting, that's because it's really not. But Again, of all the things that are being introduced to professions so far, it's the most interesting. The herbs to anchors transmute from Battle for Azeroth allowed you to transmute um, all of the base level herbs into the uncommon level herb, which was anchor weed, hence the herbs to anchors transmute. And that was very profitable. It helped uh, that helped me buy my Brutosaur mount. Um, I'm not too hopeful for stone to ore. I'm assuming that's going to be like porous stone to like a lithium ore and maybe the other two, or I guess it's more than two, the other ores as well. Uh, I'm sure it'll be profitable though, and it's likely going to be on a daily cooldown. The time-gated stuff, uh, and we'll touch on this again uh, a little bit later in the Q&A section, uh, those things are always good things to take advantage of when it comes to gold making. So if you got alchemists, keep your eye on that. It's probably going to be worth doing. All right, the next thing I wanted to talk about is in relationship to legendary gear. So I was listening to the Auction House podcast, which if you haven't heard about the Auction House podcast and you're listening to my show, you need to go find that podcast and listen to it as well because it is very good, very well done. Uh, Zanzerful and Jack the Dipper over there are doing a great job with it. And they got me thinking because they were talking about legendary gear coming up the next patch. And if you don't know... The different legendary bases are not all made equal. And that's due to the fact that some legendary items are better than others, and not every legendary power can go on every legendary slot. So picking and choosing which ones you want to craft is actually pretty important, especially if you're getting into it late in the game, because it is time-gated. I did want to go over a tool that I, I... I really love this site just for, you know, nerding out about World of Warcraft stuff. But it's also incredible. I think it's going to be a useful tool for anyone looking to figure out, you know, what legendaries they want to target early on um, in their legendary making career. So this is pretty much just a data aggregation tool. I believe it just scrapes the Raider IO data from runs that are made. I, I typically look at Mythic Plus stuff because that's the the content that I'm most interested in, and that's the example we're going to use here. Um, so we're going to go look at Mythic Plus, uh, and this is sort of just like a automatically generated tier list take it with a huge grain of salt we're gonna look at discipline priest and then so what the site does is it shows just everything about characters that have run mythic pluses uh, i believe that the range varies but this is in 16 to 25 range 
and it just shows you what everyone's doing. So here, here's all the different talent builds. Here's the legendary powers that are being used. And then you'll note here that 80% of Disciplined Priests that are running Mythic Plus in the 16 to 25 range are using the, the twins, twins, twins of the Sun Priestess. That's the one that lets you get power infusion to yourself and an ally. So that's, you know, 80%, that's significant. That's pretty much clearly going to be the best in slot item or legendary power for Dis Priests. You can mouse over this and see the tooltip that it only goes on heads and shoulders. So already, your head's probably turning like, all right, if I'm doing cloth, then head and shoulders are probably ones that I want to that I want to target. You can actually take this one step further. Um, if you go down to the head pieces, you can see here. Oh, this has actually gone down since the last time I looked at this, but 66% of the head slot items uh, of discipline priests that have run Mythic Plus in the 16 to 25 range this week have had the legendary hood. You can take a look at the shoulder. This is, so this is, interestingly enough, not the legendary shoulder as the most popular one. Uh, I believe, yeah, so here you go down at 15% are using the shoulder. So what this says is that disciplined priests doing Mythic Plus favor the twin sun's power and they prefer it to be on their head. So that, as a gold maker making legendary bases, should say, all right, cloth helm, that's an important one. And then, of course, you know, you can go through all the other different meta specs, right? Like, let's just, for example, let's take Mage. Fire Mage is a very popular class, probably the best DPS in Mythic Plus right now. Looks like we're using Disciplinary Command as our chosen power, 95% are using it. And then we're just going to go down and quickly scan through, well, hold on. We have the power here. All right, so wrist and finger are the ones this is used on. So let's take a look at, sorry, that's waist, not wrist. Wrist is right here. We can see that over here, 37% uh, of mages are using the legendary wrist. And if we look at fingers, which are rings, not fingers, um, oh, this is interesting because of how uh, there are multiple ring slots. So that kind of skews a little bit. So there's not a definitive one just based on this data one way or another. You know, obviously you can go to the Mage Discord or the Mage Icy Veins and see what they recommend. Go find a Mage streamer or somebody who's written a guide and see what they have to say. But again, this is all just tools you can use to inform your decisions. Now, from just the, right now, a little bit of research, we found out that um, cloth wrists cloth head and jewel crafting rings are all useful legendary base items to craft so with that information we can we can know that if we were starting to do legendary bases we can count on those as good ones to start with all right so enough on that um lastly on the news i just wanted to mention i saw this literally just right before i recorded this that uh the battle launcher accidentally leaked the release date of burning crusade classic uh, as always, you know, if something's not confirmed, you don't want to take it as gospel, but having been through the ringer a few times on stuff like this, I would say from my experience, personally, this seems legit. I would expect that June 1st is going to be the release date of Burning Crusade Classic. Uh, as far as retail gold making, that's going to be kind of interesting because how many people are going to stop playing retail and go play Burning Crusade Classic? How's that going to affect gold? It's probably going to mean less people buying stuff. I, I would be willing to bet that's that there's going to be an impact. I'm not going to speculate on token prices and all that. 
I'm just not too knowledgeable enough on how that's all going to flesh out at the moment. And, uh, well, honestly, I, I don't think that token prices are going to change very much from a, a Burning Crusade classic release date. Anyway, just wanted to put, throw that out there. Um, use that information as you will. All right, so I did promise we'd talk about uh, Vanilla Alchemy a little bit today. Uh, this came up in my research for my new character, and I just want to talk a little bit about it, because I did actually level uh, Vanilla Alchemy in the Shadowlands once already. And it's interesting because, well, let's just run down the questions. First of all, why should you care? The main reason you're going to care about Vanilla Alchemy is because it's the only way you can have access to an alchemy specialization. If you're not aware, alchemists have access to three different potential specializations. There's Transmute Mastery, there's uh, Flask and Elixir Mastery, and there's Potion Mastery. I'm not actually 100% sure if Elixir and Potion Mastery are the same as Transmute um, because they're just not too terribly useful to me, but Transmute Mastery gives you a chance to proc an extra one to four uh, crafts whenever you do a transmutation from an older expansion. So that means your one craft of living steel could yield one up all the way up to five, which is huge, obviously. And that works on just about every transmute from previous expansions. And so the only way to get access to that is to have your vanilla alchemy up to a certain level. I don't think you actually have to max it out all the way, but you do have to have it pretty far leveled up in order to access the quests to give you access to those specializations. I believe that if you're crafting the Vial of the Sands, that's the two-person dragon mount that you can get from archaeology, that the, I can't remember if it's Potion or Elixir Mastery can help you out with that, but you need either Potions or Elixirs to craft that as well. So, you know, if you're a really heavy-duty industrious goblin and you want to have multiple alchemists for different reasons, that's something to keep in mind as well. Now, why is it so expensive? That's a great question. I don't really know that I have a good answer. Aside from the fact that I was looking at buying Peace Bloom, which is, you know, a baseline herb from vanilla. It's stuff you get from running around Elwyn Forest. And yeah, it's uh, selling at 150% of market value. And 35 gold, that's like not that high of a market value. That's Stuff's expensive, man. I don't know. I think there's uh, probably a pretty decent amount of gold to be made, maybe as a starter thing for gold makers just in running around and picking up peace bloom and silver leaves in a similar category here as the peace bloom obviously this isn't gonna you know make you super duper rich but if you need something to get started on there's definitely people out there who want to level their vanilla alchemy who really aren't going to be too bothered by this price point um this motivated me to go out and check out like what's it going to be like farming this stuff um again you know it's, it's only going to save you maybe like two or 3,000 gold when you're leveling up Vanilla Alchemy to go pick these herbs yourself as opposed to buying them. But, you know, some people that matters. And, you know, you spend an hour or two farming some low-level herbs and you got a decent amount of gold you can get up on the auction house. So, and if I have to speculate, I just don't think there's that many people running around the starting zones picking up those low-level herbs. That's really the only way to get them. And... I don't know who levels new characters anymore and like who bothers to get a, get professions on the new characters anymore. You, you can bypass the starting zones by just making an allied race anyway. So, and like new players aren't going to know to like go farm peace bloom. That's, that's just not something the game's going to tell you to do to make gold. So there you go. 
Uh, and yeah, many of the vanilla herbs look like this. If you, you run a shopping scan, I included a link here to a, a TSM group for uh, all the vanilla herbs. You do a shopping scan on those, you'll see like, yeah, these things like are pretty expensive. And many of them will sell because people need them to level up their alchemy. Like I said, to get those transmutes or transmute mastery. Um, and then I did actually want to shout out the, uh, I'm sure many of you are familiar with this site, the the WoW Professions site. They've just consistently always had guides on how to level professions and, you know, more or less what probably is a fairly efficient way to do it. Um, two things, A of all, the site's very useful and I would highly recommend it. And B of all, it can be a great resource to know what to farm. So like I said, if you were interested in maybe making some gold on vanilla herbs, this is a great list of what to farm because everyone who wants the little alchemy is going to type in wow alchemy guide. They're going to find this website first and they're going to go buy all these things. So there you go. There's your market right there. Yeah. Uh, there's definitely some, some knowledge here that can be used to turn yourself a nice amount of gold in profit just by knowing what people are looking at when they're looking to level up professions. Okay, um, not really too much to talk about different on my bullish and bearish slide here. Um, I did just add some clarification on the easy crafts that I'm kind of bearish on and I did wanna to touch briefly on them. So as I mentioned before, I don't think that the low barrier to entry professions, especially the Shadowlands ones, are really something you wanna to be too concerned with right now. It's so stupid easy to get alchemy to max level, to get enchanting to max level, and then just have access to all the recipes with no time gating whatsoever. You just have to buy them from the vendor or the trainer, and then you can start making them. So the profit margins are gonna be super duper slim because inevitably there's gonna be some guy that just disenchanted a bunch of gear from his raid whose costs are way lower than yours buying off the auction house and he's just gonna undercut you and you're not gonna be able to make a profit on the auction house. Same deal with alchemy. The guy running around picking all his own herbs and just making some flasks to make a little bit of extra gold. His pro his costs, while in time maybe higher in gold or lower, then you just can't compete with that. Um, raid BOEs, I did want to talk briefly about those as well. It's coming up to 9.1. Um, they did, I believe in the interview that Preach did with Ian Hazakostas, lead game director of WoW, He's, Ian said that they're not going to release Burning Crusade Classic and 9.1 next to each other. And if we now have the, not confirmation, but very likelihood of getting um, Burning Crusade on June 1st, well, depending on what you think uh, not next to each other means, you know, July 1st is probably the very earliest you could possibly expect to see 9.1. So A of all, you know, that's still two months worth of BOE flipping time. So I think that raid BOEs are still very much in a good spot. Um, and then B of all, historically, I've very much regretted kind of backing off of BOE flipping in anticipation of a new patch. Um, they're still good up until the day it releases and even afterwards. Like people still need gear. So this probably needs to go back into the bullish category. I got to go with my gut instinct and just say like, don't give up on raid BOEs. They're going to be good going forward. All right, let's answer some questions. So first question, what are some barriers to entry in gold making that a new gold maker can work towards? Yeah, so this is actually a really, really interesting question um, from Twitter. And 
I I like it a lot because it makes you think it makes you really think about where you can add value and actually, you know, generate gold by having something that somebody else doesn't. So the first thing that comes to mind is rare recipes that people want. Um, things like the fell steel long blade comes to mind because it's a rare world drop. It's a highly desirable transmog and you know, not everyone has it. Like that, that's a fairly well-known one. So maybe not the best example of something to work towards, but you know, there's others like it. Um, one thing, one example I did want to bring up was the molten front reputation, which is kind of like a, it wasn't quite an end game. Well, end patch, I suppose, zone in Cataclysm that you kind of like progressed in. It took took probably a month or so or more to unlock all the different things in the Molten Front. But part of those is uh, access to some BOE items that can be crafted. Um, used to be, I assume, good raid gear, but now it's just transmog. But not a whole lot of people have access to those recipes. So if you want to have an edge in the crafted transmog market, put in the time and effort unlock the reputations you need to uh, get the molten front gear i believe blacksmithing is the most uh like efficient use of a profession if you only want to do one character um i did unlock the molten front on one of my blacksmiths on the alliance side uh yeah that gear sells pretty well and it's uh it's pretty expensive so you can look for some some pretty nice big mailboxes with that some other things that come to mind um vile the sands you know that's obviously a pretty big archaeology grind that you have to do um you definitely want to make sure you do it on an alchemist because you need <laughs> it's an alchemy recipe um and then more recently uh shadowlands legendaries like it's a pretty big barrier to entry to get those i'm not really even too familiar with it yet myself other than knowing that like there's experience and you level things up and you can't do everything at once hence why i was talking earlier about using the the sub creation website to figure out like what you should target first so yeah, hopefully that gives you some ideas of um, some examples of things that you could work towards and maybe some ideas of how to how to look for some more. Um, the WoW Recipe website, which I've referenced multiple times um, in previous episodes, is maybe a good place to start if you need inspiration. You can just scroll through some recipes, see what thing they craft, see if it's worth, uh, worth looking after or looking uh, to try and go get. All right, next question. What is the point of selling flasks and pots instead of herbs? So this question is kind of framed in the context of somebody seeing flasks and potions posted on the auction house for either net zero or even not making a profit. So like negative profit. And a lot of great answers on this thread. Um, The link will, of course, be available for anyone that wants to go peruse the different answers. Um, But yeah, this really, I, I just wanted to ask this question and highlight it because I think it really drives home my point that I've been making about how easy crafts are really not where you want to be in Shadowlands. There's no buried entry. And like I was saying earlier, some guy that's just out there farming his own herbs or getting his own enchanting materials, his costs are going to be way lower than, uh, than yours if you are going to be buying from the auction house. Uh, now I will say, and it'll, you'll see it in the link if you go take, check it out, but uh, another illustrious gold maker, Mantheus, uh, pointed out that you can actually sort of game the system a little bit. Um, by using the undermine drill to figure out when things, materials, herbs in this case, are posted for much cheaper, like what time of day, and use that to get your costs down and make yourself more competitive with uh, the flasks and potions that are being posted up. Um, Obviously, Tuesday night is kind of the classic best time to post flasks and potions because that's, well, I should say, Tuesday night on the U.S., 
Wednesday night on EU because that's the first day of the week in World of Warcraft world. Uh, and that's when all the raiders need their flasks and potions. I made plenty of gold just posting things that raiders needed on raid night because people forget and they need them. All right, then lastly, uh, kind of sticking with the theme of barriers to entry and whether it's profitable or not, are the Mist of Pandaria jewel crafting panther mounts worth it? Question mark. Short answer, no, probably not. It's a very well-known item. It's been like optimized to death by the people that have had it since Mist of Pandaria. And I don't know. I think your time is going to be better spent if, you're, if your objective is just to make the most gold. Your time is going to be better spent exploring new other different markets because the profit margins are going to be razor thin. You're trying to break into a market that's existed for a long time. People have you know, built up huge stocks of materials that they've gotten for much cheaper than what's being offered on the auction house right now. In order to be competitive in it, you're either going to have to go spend a bunch of time farming your own stuff, which is not going to be gold efficient, or just, you know, start <laughs> scanning for those items every day and just buying them out when they're cheap and over time build up a stock. And even that might not happen because the price might just never go down. So that's my answer. I did the grind on, um, well, my character that used to be a jewel crafter. And uh, yeah, it just wasn't wasn't good enough for me. So I, I actually dropped, dropped jewel crafting on that character for inscription at the end of BFA to get in on the uh, expulsum trinket hype. Because again... It was a much better use of a profession slot from a gold-making perspective than those Panthers. So there you have it. That's the presentation for the week. Hope you all enjoyed it and got some, some good information out of it. It's a, it's an interesting time in World of Warcraft right now. Um, I know a lot of people are kind of taking a bit of a step back from the game with uh, 9.1 being sort of much behind schedule. But, you know, there's always ways to make gold for those who want to look for it. So, yeah, just want to thank you all for, for watching and listening. Um, if you want to get involved in the conversation at all, you can find me on Twitter at DarkShortCap. You can leave a comment on the YouTube video if you're watching on YouTube. Or you can always reach out to me on email. Uh, you'll find me at, well, my email is DarkShortCapital at gmail.com. Thanks ever so much. Have a wonderful week, and we'll talk to you next time. Bye-bye.